The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. Talking about issues and coming up with solutions. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. And g'day. And before I start, a big thank you to Chris Smith doing a tremendous job. I'm back tomorrow, as always. I'm excited. Lots of terrific stuff and some good news to talk about today. I'll let you know exactly what that means. It was by absolute pure coincidence. I was there thinking, who should I chat with today? And Dr. Billy Bay popped into my mind because we haven't had a chat for several months. Obviously, he's had a lot going on with APRA and a lot of other individuals and institutions, including the police. And I thought it would be terrific to get him on and find out where he's up to. So I've sent him a message to find out what he's up to. While that's happening, in my news feed comes a story that's one minute old by Billy Bay saying, well, I won't tell you what it says, but let's just say it's good news. I'll let him tell you. I do have the, he's made three terrific points in that particular post, and uh, but I'd rather him tell you and you hang around uh, for about half an hour or so until we have a chat with him because I'm absolutely excited about what he's got to say and I think you will too. And not just for what it means for him, but what it could possibly mean for a bunch of other doctors who have until now had their hands tied well and truly. So we'll be doing to that. David McBride, son of a legendary doctor and a lawyer, a military lawyer. Uh, we're going to be talking to him about what the uh, Attorney General has been getting up to and intervening and doing all sorts of things that uh, may affect uh, not just him, but lots of us long term and certainly outcomes that we would like to. But I don't want to read too much into it. I want him to tell you about it. But uh, as well, Simeon Boykov has some breaking news from WA. And of course, imminently, I'll be talking to the wonderful Gemma Cooper, who is hopefully recovering and uh, a bit better than yesterday. She was a little bit crook. And uh, I'm going to keep using that word until it becomes <laughs> part of her vocabulary over there in the UK. For those of you listening in the UK, g'day and good morning. And all you Aussies out there as you get home, lots and lots to talk about. If you're a Barnsley fan, well... He's on the mend. He's on the mend. And he um he was in hospital. A lot of people thought he was just a bit crook, might have had COVID. It turns out that what he did have spread because of his the state of his immune system, one might imagine, to his heart. And he had to undergo a valve replacement in his heart. He got uh, an inf bacterial pneumonia was what he got. And uh, lots of people on social media reaching out and saying congratulations. He was apparently talking to the ABC, saying he was enjoying his uh, first Sunday roast that he's had in quite a while. They probably don't serve those down at St Vinnie's, down in Darlinghurst, where I believe is where he's been in hospital, but certainly he's on the mend. Um, a few nasty posts, again, that I noticed about 8 o'clock last night, and when I looked at 1 o'clock in the morning again and scrolled down, most of them were gone. So somebody is cleansing uh, some of these social media feeds when it comes to people who may have doubts as to why your immune system would be in such a state that something that was for could have been potentially mild may have spread to your heart. I'm not going to elaborate on that. I don't want to uh, make light of the situation, but I'm guessing a lot of you know what they were talking about. I didn't put one of those posts up. They did. But anyway, um, something else. I got an email yesterday. I want to read it from Tom over in the UK. Hi, Dean. Why are you and TNT, well, I don't know why he's including TNT, it's only something I said, uh, perpetuating the myth that Elon Musk is the world's richest man. 
why are you allowing the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers to remain away from the public glare? Um, are you a, I'm going to lean over, are you a real truther or freedom fighter? These families own the world. Elon is not even close to their wealth. Now, I'm not going to argue with Tom because I tend to agree with him. He's probably right. They, where he has billions, I would suggest they, as a family, as family groups, have trillions. Now, any particular one of them, we don't know their personal wealth, so I can't say, but I would suggest he is right as a group. And even if I did know the personal wealth of one of the Rockefellers or the Rothschilds, um, I did say the richest man in the world, and these people are like rodents. They're rats. They, they uh, feast off the carcasses of society, uh, like, like, you know, birds of prey, if you will. Buzzards would probably be a better word. So, uh, no, I probably wouldn't use the word man in relation to any of them uh, over in those two particular families. But, Tom, I would agree. They probably are far richer, certainly as a group, than uh, Elon Musk is ever likely to be, or as they allow him to be, because I guarantee that they have such influence if they wanted to bring him down a financial peg or two. And in fact, I dare say they are working hard at that as we speak, as we're finding out, and uh, they're changing the rules just to accommodate for people such as Elon Musk, the richest person in the world, as far as we can establish with any great degree of certainty, despite the fact that we do realise, and yes, Tom, you are right, that the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds probably are richer, and certainly some of the individuals in those families could well be richer than him as well. So, yes, I do agree. Uh, Donald Trump, I'm excited. A wee, <laughs> a wee bit excited. Uh, I'm just laughing. I was listening to Katie Hopkins uh, watching, actually, uh, yesterday after my show, and they were talking about uh, one of the hostels or hotels where they were going to accept in Ireland a bunch of migrants that caught a light. Who knows how that happened? Uh, and she suggested a cat that was basically, as Mel Gibson uh, alluded to, uh, you know, fireballs coming out of the backside, possibly set the place alight. And that is as likely a scenario as any one might imagine. Who knows how that possibly happened? But um, I just had to have a bit of a laugh because Donald Trump is going to go about it a little bit different. He's not going to send any cats in there to burn the place down so they've got nowhere to go. He is going to go about the largest deportation operation in American history. I like the sound of that. And Don, Donald, if you want to uh, practice, if you want to get that down pat before you roll it out over in the UK, come on down under. Hey, we're all part of AUKUS now. So come on down and get our military on board with that. And I'll, I'll lend a hand. I'll sign up if we can do that because we have nowhere for these people to go. But more importantly, we didn't sign on. We didn't sign on for it as uh, people, as co-owners of this particular country. We certainly didn't sign on for that. I've got other stuff to talk about, including uh, stuff that Donald Trump is doing, comments he's made about Joe Biden, and of course, uh, AI, and how you, if you are a band leader or former leader who is in jail and has no access, nor does your party, to social media, how can you get a message out to your followers and in such a way that they think it's you? We'll talk about that a little bit later in the program as well. Okay, now, why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all of the major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab and Getter. Help us to get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here at TNT Radio. Abroad or at home, this is your news. By staying silent, we are part of the problem. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Yes, America, I'll tell you what, if you don't vote for Donald Trump after that promise, 
the largest deportation operation in American history, you deserve what you get. Yep. Anyway, I, I deserve what I get and I deserve the world. And that's why I'm getting the world right now. The wonderful Gemma Cooper. How are you? Well, <clears throat> I've, been, I've been better, Dean. I've been better. This is one of those days where I'm not particularly enamored with the fact that TNT has now gone live streaming video to accompany TNT radio because I, I look rough. <laughs> I look rough and I feel well, rough. Don't, I, I there think you go. look terrific. But, you, but, you know, you, do, you, you look terrific. You know, you're a bit, you know, you got a bit of a cough, whatever, but you look better and you'll be on the mend. You'll be right for the weekend, I hope. Oh, that phrase reminds me of neighbours, watching neighbours when I was growing up. Oh, you'll be right. You'll be right. I'm reminded so much of my teenage years. Every time I come on air with you at what is the UK morning time, I must say the Australian vernacular brightens my spirits as we as we start as I start the day here. I know it's the afternoon where you are. Now I do realize that Neighbours is an Australian production, but I promise you that you people over there in the UK watched it in far greater numbers than we did here. Did you get home and away over there as well? Home and away? Yeah, yeah, we got home and away, but Neighbours was the one. I remember when um, I first started going to college, I was 16, and um, I, I left school. I didn't stay until six when I went to a college, and um, we all would bunk off the lessons mid-morning and just all of us go down to the seafront in, in the nearby town where the college was, and all of us just get a coffee and all of us watch Neighbours. There's loads of us. It was great. Absolutely bloody brilliant. Oh, I remember Alf Stewart, and, and he did an ad. Yeah, creepy black boggle-eyed goldfish or something along those lines. He was quite the character. And we all watched it at the beginning, then we kind of uh went off. But as for the the other show, Home and Away, the most popular opening version, the musical uh bit at the beginning, written by Mike Pogenics, was performed by some very good mates of mine, the Robinson brothers, who I had a uh dinner with uh, not that long ago. Terrific fellas. And I'll do a free ad. If you, anybody in Australia gets to catch them touring Australia, they are absolutely phenomenal doing their Everly Brothers show. Free plug over, hijacking over. Gemma Cooper, what's happening in the world today? Well, actually, this is a more detailed analysis of uh, something that Matt Boyland was talking about there at the top of the hour, and that's, of course, what's happening in the Red Sea. So this morning it's been announced that um, British Petroleum, the oil giant, is uh, pausing all of its shipments of oil and gas through the Red Sea now after the recent by the, the Houthis. They're obviously supporting Hamas in the light of uh, October the 7th, and they have been uh, patrolling that part of the Red Sea kind of ever since, uh, attacking any ship that they say is heading for Israel. But this, as we know from last week, um, that Norwegian uh, uh, shipping uh, tanker got caught in the crossfire, completely innocent, just on a on a trade route through up towards Italy, loaded with uh, oil and 30 of its crew, innocent civilians were caught up in this attack. So as a result of that, it's going to be the knock-on cost to, to not just people here in the UK, but everyone around the world now, as commercial routes start suspending their ships up that up that part of the Red Sea. So um, the firm is saying, uh, BP is saying this morning, the deteriorating security situation because of the Houthi rebels, um, says we are now suspending freight. Uh, and oil experts are saying if this goes on for even longer than a week, so it's just a few days, um, oil prices are going to go up. And also... Um, other consumer goods that travel the, over through that part of the Red Sea, um, the knock-on effect will just go straight to the consumer. Analysts are suggesting that um, prices are already kind of beginning 
to look a bit shaky yesterday. And into the international benchmark of how they monitor oil prices, which is Brent, was up 2.6%. It's almost $79 a barrel. That's yesterday. Uh, and if it's just, just a few more days into Christmas, prices are going to surge. So it won't be a very happy new year uh, for, for the consumer. Um, so nearly 15% of all goods imported into Europe, the Middle East and North Africa that are coming from Asia and the Gulf, they go via the Red Sea. That includes 21.5% of all refined oil and 13% of all crude oil. So it's a really crucial part of the world and consumer goods are facing the largest impact. We had yesterday as well, Evergreen, the controversial shipping container company, uh, it's one of the world's largest shipping firms. Uh, it said that uh, we're not going through the Red Sea now until this situation is sorted out. And of course, you've got um, America wading in saying it's going to uh, patrol the area, it's going to send ships to the area. Um, and, and all the countries are banding together uh, it, it, to say, right, we're not going to travel through that area until the situation calms down. The problem is, of course, Dean, the situation, <laughs> situation shows no sign of calming down. Uh, despite repeated calls now for a ceasefire, uh, that, that there is no kind of real um, clear sight that we're going to see a de-escalation of any activity. And of course, the Houthis are completely independent. They're backed by Iran um, and they're, they're really militant and they've stepped up, as we saw from last week. It was a war crime. This is the knock-on effect of that war crime where everyone around the world would be affected by rising oil prices and the lack of commercial shipping through that route. So not particularly... Happy Christmas for the consumer as a result of the attacks that happened last week. Now, Tinsid, uh, we always end up being the ones who pay for this. It'll be interesting to find out if they track down where they're getting those weapons from, then the uh, the Yanks are likely to go in there and uh, use that as an excuse to bombard probably, you know, some, somewhere like Iran or wherever they seem to be getting these weapons from. I, I strongly would suggest some of them may have been ones that were on track for the Ukraine, I have seen that suggested that that is the case, and uh, surely they would have had a bunch of uh, rockets that probably didn't detonate properly, uh, properly that they have in their possession, so they would know where these weapons or some of them are coming from anyway. But uh, this could escalate. I don't know how long it's going to go on for, but as you suggest, it's going to cost us a fortune, and we will be the ones that pay for it imminently and ultimately. That is for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, that, just the the price right hike yesterday, two point six percent on a barrel of Brent, you know, and and the seventy nine dollars a barrel. Uh, Evergreen pulling out, you know, that's that's just yesterday. Uh, and obviously, America wading in and saying, you know, we're going to patrol this area. Yeah, the, the the official version of the Houthis is they're backed by Iran. We talked about this last week when um, when Human Rights Watch said that they had committed a war crime by t targeting that civilian Norwegian tanker. Um, you know, what if there'd been fatalities? We could have been looking at a very different situation um, and, and we talked about how it could and would escalate and it is escalating albeit on a commercial level but you could argue you know commercial level is going to affect people far more than just you know looking at the situation in the Middle East from afar this is actually the direct result uh, of what has happened as a, as a result of that Houthi attack. Yeah, and of course you could argue, you know, without uh, having access to the shipping manifest, how could you possibly know where any of those uh, vessels are heading heading to? They couldn't know. So as you would say uh, or have said, every vessel is at risk. And of course, we're all going to pay across the board. Let's hope uh, that they can get some military support down there, take those characters out and uh, resolve this. But I would imagine that those weapons are going to keep coming for quite some time. The whole situation in Gaza, I mean, I don't see that. I mean, when do you ever see that resolving itself until they've basically kicked everybody out of Gaza and encapsulated that very last part of what used to be Palestine? Absolutely. And of course, the problem is the Houthis, whoever, whoever's funding them, whoever's fueling them, they'll see this as a win. 
they will see this is a win against the West, you know, stopping the trade route, stopping the oil, stopping the liquefied gas going up. This huge trade route that the world is so reliant on. They will see it as a win. Uh, absolutely. The disruption of, you know, normal life in the West, it will, it will probably fuel them on. Um, I would imagine that's, that's my take on it. It will spur them. They'll be thinking, yeah, this is a victory. Yep, I would absolutely agree. Gemma Cooper, thank you. And of course, you'll be joining us next hour here at TNT Radio. We look forward to that. Hang around, the Aussie Cossack coming up after this break. You should hear what Charlie Robinson is talking about. I think once we saw the supply chain issues uh, that happened during the COVID debacle, you go, well, that seems bad for the, you know, when you're fighting somebody for toilet paper, but it could be worse, right? It could be the last can of food. So people are starting to reevaluate and reassess their situations and their relationship with supply chains and the like. And I think what that does is it leads you to a place of saying, how can I make myself less dependent on the system? It's kind of hard to know where to start, right? Where would you suggest we even begin with this process? Yeah, it's funny you said that because someone said to me recently and it made me laugh that this is going to be the kind of collapse where the Burger King's still open. And I think that's what's probably lulling people into a false sense of security in that everything when we go to the city kind of appears normal unless you're in one of those really crazy drug adult cities. But for most people, I would say, Charlie, it feels normal, but it ain't normal. <laughs> the world yeah. is not normal. It's completely gone off kilter. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. She used to dance and dream of a better life, a brighter future, with nutritious food to eat, a chance to learn, to get an education, and do incredible things. Today, thanks to Children International and friends like you, she dances for the world. Together, we give children in poverty a chance to set their sights high and achieve their dreams by ensuring that they have access to health care, education, life skills, and more so they can grow, thrive, and believe in themselves. Gracias. Gracias. Learn more about Children International and join us in our life-changing work at children.org today. At the top of the hour, we'll keep on top of the news. It's the most important thing we can do on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. And welcome back to the program. You're busy in the online chat. Chris writes, the Pentagon just gets... Uh, <laughs> Screaming lefty Jimmy Barnes. As for Mally, Mally writes, it was global warming, Dean, and the cat working together in relation to that uh, hotel that was uh, destined to house the migrants over in Ireland. Uh, another one from Matt writes, Barnsey, a woke pincushion. Some have to learn the hard way, unfortunately. Uh, and another one, such a catastrophe, that building burning down. Mally is absolutely devastated. Um, over that. And of course, we've got one here from Chris writes, as a British expat living in Australia for the past 17 years, I remember neighbours back when I lived in Birmingham. Everybody except Chris uh, watched it. I thought it was about as good as that other rubbish sent by Australia to punish the Brit. Foster's Lager. Uh, I do get it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it was like dingo 
P, not his word, um, all was confirmed when I moved over here in 2007 and realised that no one in Australia watched Neighbours and everybody avoided Fosters like the plague. And uh, Tim writes, Dean, the Robertson brothers are the best part of Hadley's show these days. Absolutely, the Robertson brothers are the best part of every show that they've ever been on and they are absolutely phenomenal, as is my next co-commentator. I can't say guest. He's a co-commentator. He is the legend that is the Aussie Kozak. We're talking Simeon Boykov. He's going to give us some breaking news coming out of the Northern Territory right now. Good day, Simeon. Dean, it is breaking news today. The Northern Territory Chief Minister, Natasha Files has just resigned. This is literally breaking news one hour ago. This story, uh, on the face of it, has been dressed up by the mainstream media to look like some type of an honourable discharge, where she's almost been portrayed as an honest politician who simply made a small error, a mistake, in not declaring a measly $2,000 in share holdings in a mining company. This uh, Chief Minister, Natasha Files, has uh, given a press conference where she's almost playing the victim, playing the underdog, as Australians love to support whoever the victim is or whoever the underdog is, whether it's in footy, whether it's in politics, whether it's in tennis, whether it's uh, in any aspect of life, whether you're watching a pub fight, you'll always back the underdog. And she's playing the victim card. She's saying, well, she received these shares uh, in her name uh, in 2015, and they were worth just under $2,500. Uh, the company owns a mangan manganese mine on Groot, Elident, and there has been a community demand to test the health impacts of that mine, being the health minister, of course, since 2016. This is the story behind the story that we're breaking on TNT. Forget about the fact that she owns shares. This is her excuse to jump off the bandwagon and leave in grace and say, well, I'm not leaving because I was voted out. I'm not leaving because I was uh, uh, forced out. She was never elected. Let's go firstly with that to the position of Northern Territory's chief minister. She's been the chief minister since May 2022 when her predecessor resigned and she just simply assumed the role being selected, not elected. But previous to that, for the last nine years, she's been in power. Since 2016, she was the Northern Territory Health Minister. Now, that's why she's resigning. She is the last uh, man standing, or in this case, the last woman standing yep. when it comes to health ministers. And we know why she's resigning. You would never part with so much power over a measly $2,000 worth of shares. Of course, your lawyers and your advisors and your, your uh, King's Council and Senior Council could easily explain that to the press and the media and ICAC and ASIC if that was the case. She's using this as an excellent excuse to bail, like they've all bailed, yep. whether it's Gladys Berejiklian, whether it's Dan Andrews, whether it's Brad Hazard, McGowan, Palaszczuk, all of them have bailed. And this uh, piece of uh, a woman politician uh, calls herself an honest person, calls herself a person who made a mistake. She hasn't made a mistake. This is a get-out-of-jail-free card for her in terms of public relations in the media. She's portraying herself as the victim and trying to say, this is why I'm resigning. Oh, I had some shares. Oh, when I was a child, I inherited these shares from BHP and that company issued me these shares for free for another company. And that's why I've got these shares and I didn't ever bought them, but I'm doing the right thing by the people and I'm resigning. When has Natasha Files ever done the right thing by the people? She was the health minister of Northern Territory throughout all the lockdowns, throughout all the COVID forced vaccination, throughout all the mandates, and now she wants to claim that she's doing the right thing by the people. I simply do not buy that story, and I don't think anyone in Australia does.
I, I love your insight. I think you're spot on. Uh, we do have to give us some points for creativity. Usually the story is I've got to spend more time with the family. At least she was creative. We'll have to give her a couple of points for that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Spend more time with the family. What did um <laughs> what did Mark McGowan say? I need to spend more time catching up on Netflix episodes. I mean, these <laughs> Ali, she's, she's, look, she's falling from grace in a graceful way, but I just urge our listeners and viewers who are wide awake since listening to TNT radio, do not believe a word these politicians say. They would never have surrender. She's been in the job for, what, less than uh, six months as chief minister, or about six months, since May 2000, and uh, one year and six months, should I say, May 2022. That's a very, very short stint, and this is in no way, shape, or form influenced. I think by that uh, uh, so-called mistake, that small mistake that she's made. So definitely something very sinister to the story. And it's all about trying to escape the retribution, trying to escape uh, the inevitable day in this country where the people stand up at a people's tribunal. Hopefully one day, sooner than later, this comes. And we put these people on trial. We put the Natasha Files. We put the Dan Andrews. We put the Hazards and the Gladys Berejiklians on trial in front of people's tribunals. Some people refer to it as a possible Nuremberg 2.0. I don't mind how you call it, what happens, but we want retribution. We want those people who are right uh, to be uh, rehabilitated, they were right, those people that fought for stopping the mandates and stopping the lockdowns. We were saving lives. We were saving lives. I can't stress that enough. My wife thanks me almost every day, and she says, thank you for influencing me, uh, Simeon, to not get the vaccination. I'm very proud of the one fact that I stopped. I don't know how many people I stopped through broadcasting or you stopped through broadcasting or other journalists and independent social media influencers out there, but you would have been in millions. The mi millions of Australians did not get the vaccine because of independent media. And we've been up against the might of the establishment all of these years. And it's about time someone turned around and said, thank you to you. We're sorry that we treated you like this. We're sorry that we went after you. We're sorry we censored you. We're sorry we deplatformed you. We're sorry we persecuted you because you know you're right. So we're waiting for that day and all of these rats are running from a sinking ship and Chief Minister of the Northern Territory, Natasha Files, is just another rat that's running from the sinking ship to avoid uh, a retribution of the people, which of course is inevitable. And Simeon, when it comes to those people who we may have convinced not to get the jab, even if it was only one, wouldn't it have all been worthwhile, even if it was one? But as you suggest, the few of us in the media and social media who got out there and did our part, mate, I, I think that we did pretty well. And I, I know we sleep well at night. If they never apologise to us, I don't care. I do care if they're held to account. And, mate, what we should do uh, next week, we'll do a, when it comes to anyone from, you know, uh, Jacinda Ardern to Health Hazard to uh, Palaszczuk, let's do a where are they now? Because everyone's happy that they're gone, but they won't be happy to know that they're doing better off personally. And they all are. Every let one me, of them is doing you, better off let personally. Let me give you a prediction right here on the air on the Dean McKin Show on TNT Radio that within a few weeks or months, very quietly, uh, New Northern Territory former Chief Minister Natasha Files, who just resigned an hour ago, will coincidentally, accidentally, shockingly, amazingly, unsurprisingly, whatever you want to call it, she will announce that she has received a portfolio yep. at a major Northern Territory mining company. That will happen. I can almost guarantee it. If I'm wrong, I'm happy to apologize on the air and admit that I'm wrong. But if I'm right, I wish to replay this video in a few months' time when that happens. She'll go on holidays now. She'll let this scandal blow over. And then she'll resurface working for a huge mining corporation 
in Northern Territory somewhere because that's who she's been working for anyway all these years. Uh, she refused to investigate uh, one of her own uh, mining giants where she had shares. Uh, she was asked to investigate that mining giant for uh, environmental uh, health standards. She refused to. She refused. She was referred to ICAC over political advisors' gas lobbying ties. And this is before this the latest scandal uh, yes. appeared. So this is all very clear that what was happening, the writing was on the wall. Uh, there were two matters relating to her, referred to her office to the Northern Territory's corruption watchdog. And to, to, to suggest somehow that she is honest and she's come clean and she's uh, uh, done this as a preemptive measure, it's absolutely wrong. Uh, she was on the on the uh, up against you could say the rocks. She was up against the the investigative committees and the huge investigative powers of uh, ICAC and other uh, investigative sources. In fact, when she was criticised by other politicians for this, uh, Chief Minister File said uh, that their rambling and nonsensical press releases is nothing more than an attempt to distract the people of the electorate. All rules and regulations have been complied with. We won't let political games get in our way. This is just a few days ago what she was saying. She was holding on to the very last straw that she could uh, hold on to. And uh, unfortunately uh, for her, the pressure obviously has mounted. It's way too high. Uh, but 169 shares she owned in gas company Woodside, also apart from these other shares. And uh, that was only worth about $5,400. Uh, but that sparked the debate. What other yeah. shares does she have? Well, uh, uh, Simeon, what we can do, we'll have to continue that tomorrow because we're going way over. Mate, always appreciate your insight. It'll be very good to follow and see if she does end up at a mining company. One thing I know, give it a couple of months, 100%, there'll be a job. It'll be have a really good portfolio, a really good pay packet. Why? Because she did such a terrific job. It's called a and golden uh, parachute. Yeah, mate, the, where are the brown paper bags on my desk keep coming from? I have no idea. <laughs> Simeon Boykov, a.k.a. Aussie Kozak, mate, love having you on the program. Look forward to tomorrow and uh, we'll talk then. Cheers, Dean. Thank you. Everybody, we're going to have Dr. Billy Bay up after this. All you got to do is stick around. I have some even more exciting news. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. After weeks of intense seismic activity, the Reykjanes volcano has erupted in Iceland with 100-metre-high lava fountains spurting out of a four-kilometre-long crack in the Earth's surface. Following increased drone and missile attacks on commercial ships in the Red Sea, the US has announced a new multinational task force to protect the key shipping lane. And Donald Trump has vowed to deport the largest number of undocumented migrants in US history if he's re-elected next year. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. And welcome back to the program. Now, we haven't had that many doctors in this country, not as far as percentages go, who had the guts to stand up and do the right thing. We had even fewer who were prepared to get up and do it live in front of their is rather than on social media, rather than uh, by studies or whatnot, a guy who went up in front of his peers and called them to account. I am, of course, talking about Dr. William Bay, and um, I couldn't believe the timing of it. I said, I hinted earlier, I wanted to have him on the program. I hadn't spoken to him for a while. I sent him a message saying, would you like to come on the program today? While I was waiting, which was only a few minutes, 
in my Facebook feed comes in real time a post that was one minute old uh, telling me a couple of things. One, in fact, I won't read all three. I'll just read the first one. One, APRA has backed down and will ask Dr. William Bay about that and get him to elaborate on the other two things that he uh, brought to the fore as well. Dr. William Bay, congratulations and welcome to the program. Thanks so much, Dean, and thanks for having me on again. Hey, always a pleasure. I couldn't believe the timing of it. It couldn't have been any better, and it brought a smile to my face. I I know it certainly would have brought a smile to yours. You've been um, under, you know, you've been uh, being dogged by these people for quite some time. So tell us exactly what's happened. How far have they backed down, and what does it mean for you and others? Yeah, so great news coming out of uh, Australia's Health Practitioner Regulation Agency today, otherwise known as the Evil Clowns Opera. Um, it has broken today the news that they are finally, after um, uh, more than, than two uh, and a half years, have backed down on their gagging order, the 9 March 2021 position statement, and they have rescinded it, they have stopped it, they have reversed it, they've thrown it in the bin. Thank God, amen. So uh, it turns out that that uh, gagging order was uh, dismantled a few days ago on the 11th of December. Uh, Dr. Melissa McCann um, from Airlie Beach was the first to break the news to me uh, that they had rescinded and superseded this directive, which is great news because this directive, Dean, um, is what was gagging the doctors regarding the COVID vaccines, in fact, any type of healthcare from literally speaking the truth. So with this release, of the uh, 9 March 2021 position statement. And now means that doctors, and I encourage them strongly, all doctors of Australia are now free to be somebody like me and speak openly and confidently now without fear of any regulatory action. So this is great news for today. It, it is terrific news, but I mean, let's be honest. I, I'm talking to after you, uh, David McBride, son of Dr. William McBride, as as you would be more than aware. And despite the fact that now their hands are untied, they're ungagged by APRA. Let's face it, there will be a bunch of uh, peer puppet peers who will still come out and attack those. But I would suggest a significant number who have been chafing at the bit to get out and say something will now come forward. And if we can get enough of them, even if only. 10% of them come out, that will be an overwhelming number of physicians. And I think that will be the straw that broke the camel's back and really get a reaction because the perception is, unless enough doctors are saying it, and certainly one that I, or, you know, when I say I, I don't mean you and me, I mean that the people listening or the people who have doubted, no, certainly not those listening, um, mate, that's what's going to raise awareness. That's when we're going to really get to get these people into courts and get some action and get some recompense for the last three years. Yeah, absolutely. This is very exciting times now because the floodgates are open and, and we're going to see uh, who has now the, the courage and the bravery to stand up, join with me, join with Dr. Hobart, Dr. Miley Trin, Dr. Paula Oosterhaus, etc., who have been working very hard behind the scenes, uh, not just myself, to bring pressure on APRA and the Medical Board of Australia and the government to free us from this tyranny that this uh, tyrannical government, both SCOMO's government and ALBO's government and all the stuff governments have been placing um, pressure on doctors and nurses to not tell the truth. So, yeah, this is the chance for all those people who've been waiting in the wings to come out now, go onto social media, tell your patients, tell your friends, everybody, tell everybody everything you know, because truly only the truth will set us free.
Yeah, well, the data that's coming out, we're hearing it every day. There's something new. Uh, I'm still seeing people on on social media who have dropped dead on football fields, have dropped dead while they're delivering speeches. And these are high profile people that they can't ignore. So it's it's beyond being something where people go, oh, I, I didn't quite notice that happening 10 years ago. For example, it is such an anomaly. It is such an undeniable anomaly now that we have to talk about it. Do you think that is part of the reason that they've dropped these gag orders, if you will, um, because it just can't be stopped anymore? But it does shine a light on the fact that they needed to do that in the first place, almost like they knew they needed to cover something up to get that rollout happening in the first place. And I can't help but say that. Oh, yeah, I think you're absolutely correct. And I think they knew the only way to get this new novel experimental gene therapy into the arms of millions of Australians illegally was to co-opt and corrupt the doctors into joining them in this conspiracy. And that's exactly what it was. We have the document to prove it. It's that 9 March 2021 position statement that directs doctors and nurses to lie. So now that they've rescinded it, the reason is why, or the question is why. And I think that's because that um, they were facing pressure, um, yeah, from the media, from people waking up and realising that it's not doesn't make any sense that doctors aren't allowed to tell the truth about these vaccines. And, of course, we've got the COVID-19 inquiry happening in the, in the Australian Senate. So they're going to have to be answering questions um, uh, regarding this issue there. And it just seemed completely untenable, especially when recently I attended the World Conference on Medical Regulations in Bali uh, last month. And all of the different operas around the world, they dropped their regulations regarding these position statements, but opera hadn't. So truly, we are the worst of the lot in terms of when it comes to this medical tyranny. So it's, it's great that we've finally had this yoke uh, pulled off from us today, but it's now time for the doctors to grab those uh, leads and to drive us into the direction of medical freedom here on out. Well, it's good to see that we're being consistent because we were the worst with the lockdowns. <laughs> we were the worst with the tyranny. We were the worst with the mandates. So why not be the last ones to drop the gag orders? Mate, so what does this mean for you personally going forward? Well, it, it's very beneficial to my court case. I'm currently still suing APRA and the Medical Board and the State of Queensland in the High Court of Australia. And so their position that I broke, you know, 45 rules by criticising the government and the position statement now looks completely absurd and rid ridiculous to me. So I think they'll probably have no option but to unsuspend me at, at, at some stage now. It, it has been 17 months since I lost my job and my business and my career. Dean and uh, and they still haven't even completed the report into my actions. They haven't even completed the report. That's how disgustingly abusive a process they are. So I think that, that this information will be presented to the court. It's going to look very bad for them. It's going to look very embarrassing for them. And I will keep persisting in my court action because now that they've admitted and confessed that I was right all along in promoting informed consent, it's now important that I still win this case, not just for my job, that's a side benefit, but more importantly, to bring accountability to APRA and the medical board to make sure that they are punished for what they have done to doctors and punished for what they've done, more importantly, to the patients and the dead victims and injured victims of this country. Well, it's certainly going to look very childish if they persist to try and attack you for things you've said historically, albeit recently, um, that you could now say legally that they've dropped the gag orders. It all seems like uh, it's a dog chasing its tail and they really just need to let the whole thing go. Absolutely. That, that's exactly that's right. They 
need to uh, to stop it so we can move on. The gaslighting needs to stop. It will be stopping now either by their own actions or by people like me. It's up to them how this is going to go down and how it's going to finish up. But now that they are finally bowing down to pressure and to the reality, uh, the truth will, as always, win in the end. Mate, well, let's hope that is the case. It's coming out by the bucket load of late. And unfortunately, I'd love to think that the, uh, you know, what what's happened and the results of what have happened are behind us. But I just keep seeing all these negative health outcomes. Unfortunately, a gift that keeps on giving in a bad way. And uh, I think we're just scraping the tip of the iceberg in the next uh, few years or decades may even uh, be rather telling. But because we know that we've had people such as yourself who were vocal when very few were, those are the people that we're going to respect uh, going forward as for the father of my next guest, David McBride. And it, it took years for people, for everyone, to realise what a champion hero he was for being a whistleblower and whatnot. Dr. William Bay, good on you. I'm very happy. Mate, uh, keep us abreast of how things turn out, and uh, I'm very happy for you, but the doctors, and I'm expecting to hear a lot more from a lot more people uh, imminently as a result. Thank you, Dean. God bless you, and God bless everyone on this great day for freedom. And you, that's Dr. William Bay, everybody. And uh, he's uh, he's not going to back down. He never has and he never will. Speaking about people that don't back down and it's intergenerational. I'm talking about David McBride and we're going to have him up here after the break. Stick around. This is TNT Radio. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Last week while campaigning in Iowa, Joe Biden was the topic of conversation for Donald Trump. And he wanted to make clear that everyone knew that Biden couldn't handle things cognitively. He can't put two sentences together. He's running. Can't find his way off the stage. See all the stairs around here? How the hell do you not? Where is the stair? He says, where is the stair? And he walks off the stage and he's like. And Trump wanted to make sure that everyone knew that he had been found most competent. I took a physical and I passed with flying colors and I took a cognitive exam. I said, doctor, give me anything you want. I want to take it. I think you actually, if you're running for president, I think you should be forced to take it. They say it's not constitutional. So instead of, uh, you know, look, we want, we love our constitution, but Look what we have in office. This guy cannot pass a cognitive exam. Truer words have never been spoken. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT Radio. Our beautiful world is changing, withering, dying by the hands of those who don't value nature, even though we all depend on it for life itself. But there is hope. Together with caring friends, the Nature Conservancy can restore our lands, heal our waters, and save our wildlife with big solutions only nature can provide. But every day we lose more of the places we love, and we urgently need to save endangered lands, waters, and wild species. The actions we take today will determine the tomorrow we leave to our children and grandchildren. The water they drink, the air they breathe, the beauty they experience. To learn more about how you can help protect and conserve our beautiful world, visit nature.org today. 
telling it as it is. This is the Dean Mackin Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Champions and truth tellers. I've got them all today. And uh, this one, an intergenerational one, son of. Uh, and, and normally I don't do that. I don't say brother of or son of. But um, I, I just have to do it with David. And I don't think David would mind because his dad is just someone that's been so influential um, in part of the reason I'm on radio because uh, people like like his father. He's just terrific. Uh, of course, the whistleblower for thalidomide was Dr. William McBride, his son, fellow commentator here at TNT, David McBride, uh, also a whistleblower here in Australia, a former military lawyer and absolute champion fella as well. And he's recently written a book called The Nature of Honour. And welcome, David. And before we even start, I'd love you to tell people where they can get a hold of this book. Uh, thanks so much, Gene. And it's online if you go on uh, the major bookstores, uh, Amazon or um, Booktopia, and uh, it's just called The Nature of Honour, David McBride, or if they go on penguin.com.au. I'd be very grateful for anybody to buy it for Christmas. We want to get the numbers up there for it to be a bestseller. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. It deals with my dad's life. Uh, as Dean said, and also the intertwining of my own life. And, um, yeah, buy it as a Christmas present. Mate, absolutely perfect timing and a great gift suggestion to, I might add, mate, the Attorney General. Uh, he's been up to, I'm, I'm just I'm just reading, wow, unbelievable. Mate, explain exactly, mate, there are some definite, well, I'd say definite political motives involved here. Explain this whole situation because it's just going to really knock people out of their chairs. Yeah, the Attorney General has been caught out by freedom of information. Uh, Rex Patrick, the sort of uh, former senator, transparency warrior, friend of mine, um, former submariner, uh, he asked the Attorney General whether he'd had briefings on in relation to my case, and the Attorney General said two things. Yes, he has had briefings on my case, and that my case didn't uh, fit within the exceptional circumstances in order to uh, uh, drop the charges against me. Now, Rex Patrick uh, did a freedom of information. It took him a while. But he found out that the Attorney General, there was no point beating around the bush, the Attorney General lied uh, on that score and has not had any briefings on my case the only briefings that he got um, were in relation to Bernard Caleri's case, uh, the whistleblower in relation to East Timor. And they actually said, I'll oh, be careful uh, if you drop the charges against Bernard Caleri, because that will mean uh, some people will make you uh, look at the charges for David McBride. And the implication is there's no way we're going to drop David McBride's charge. And the idea that uh, the Attorney General pretended that he was considering it, it's a pretty big falsehood. And for someone that's in charge of law and order, it is meant to be a, a Queen's Council or King's Council as they are now, it doesn't look good for him. Um, he probably needs to explain uh, what he meant publicly because, you know, if he doesn't tell the truth, why should anyone else in Australia tell the truth? Yeah, mate, it reeks of, I mean, to to my ears, of political interference. Mate, was there any point there where obviously you would have been hopeful, but did you actually expect at any point that they may have dropped this? 
I expected him to at least have an idea of, of the case and have looked at the issues, but it looked like he, it looks like he was just playing team government and they were just trying to make an example. And he didn't know anything about my case, but his attitude was uh, you cross the government and you pay the price. And it looks, it's a bit more like a sort of mafia gang than a government. And for this man, as I said, who's meant to uphold the highest standards of truth and law and order, it's a really bad look for him to say, oh, I was briefed on McBride's case and I decide, even the exceptional circumstances case uh, phrase is something he just made up. That's not actually in the act, which has been pointed out by my brave local member, Allegra Spender. Now, she found out that that phrase is just something that he's made up. The Act doesn't require um, exceptional circumstances for the Attorney General to uh, step in, but he's just kind of made up this sort of phony legal phrase and he's also said, oh, I've had briefings and he, he, the Attorney General should be better than that. It sounds like uh, special interests, as you said, uh, political interference from behind. He was probably telling the prosecutors to go on with it hard while at the same time pretending he didn't want the case to go ahead. So I think that's pretty bad. Yeah, mate, that reads true to me. It sounds about right. Uh, certainly something you'd rather put behind you. And is it a personal question? There must be weighing on you, this this whole situation just dragging out over time. And how long has it been now that they've been dragging this out? Five and a half years. I had, wow. to, I had to calculate it. And in human terms, this brings it home. I got arrested when I came back to Australia. My um, eldest daughter was then 12, uh, and she was at boarding school and she really missed me. And I came back to go to her. I knew I'd probably get arrested, but I came back to go to the father-daughter dance. And I was hoping I might be able to get out of there, the country before I got arrested. Um, uh, I could tell that she really needed to see me and her heart was breaking. So I came back. I got arrested. And that was she just started year seven in boarding school. Um, now, she has just completed the HSC and done very well, I might add. But that's a whole school life um, before since I was charged, and and now I'm still awaiting. Um, got the at my I've got a younger daughter who was only ten then. Uh, she she will probably be finishing her HSC by the time it's over for me. So it's yeah, it's been when you bring it into the family, it shows that it's it's more than just five years. It's all my kids' lives. It's all they can remember. And that's quite a high price to pay, uh, considering I felt I was doing the right thing. And Mark Dreyfus, uh, on his high horse, uh, proclaims, you know, that he's for family values and he's for law and order. Um, it all rings a bit hollow, if you ask me. I've got to ask you a personal question. Did you get to go to that father-daughter dance? Uh, I, they, I know they were waiting for you, but uh, did you? <laughs> they did. They seemed to press the panic button, and this is why, while I have not much time for uh, uh, Mark Dreyfus and um, his predecessor, I don't. I I certainly don't have a beef with the Australian Federal Police. Uh, I think they could have arrested me before I got to the dance. They may have just been tailing me to see if I was <laughs> going to meet some sort of operative. But um, whatever, whether it was luck or whatever, they didn't arrest me till after the dance. Um, 
I've ended up becoming quite friendly with the the AFP agents that arrested me. They have treated me very fairly, and I always uh, try to give them a good plug because um, they were doing their job. And credit where credit's due, you know, I, I they let me see my daughter, and it would have made a real difference to me. Uh, it would have been much harder um, if I hadn't seen my daughter, and it, they could have opposed bail, and they didn't. So. I always like to give the boys in blue, uh, as they were, a bit of credit in that regard because it would have been pretty tough for me had they done otherwise. Yeah, I have to concur with you on that particular thing. When it comes to the Australian Federal Police, I know four or five of them personally, one of whom I went to school with, and they are of the highest calibre. All of them are terrific people. They are the most honest people I know. And I, I wouldn't necessarily say that of all of the state police that I've met. I know some rather dodgy ones. I used to work with one um, who... Uh, <laughs> I won't get into that. But when it comes to the federal police, yeah, that they are some terrific people amongst them who are very trustworthy and above board. I would like to think all of them, uh, but only the ones I know, they're the only ones I can speak of. Mate, how long is this likely to drag out? What are the possible outcomes uh, for those who are watching who would be interested in to hear that? Well, I'm being assessed for uh, something called an intensive correction order, which is... Um, I don't, it's not, it, it doesn't involve full-time prison. One of the problems I've got is I live with my family in New South Wales. In order to get an intensive corrective order, you've had to live in the ACT. Uh, you can't just sort of get a, uh, uh, some sort of post box address there. You've got, because you have to report all the time. So I'd be found out. So, um, and I'm an honest person. So I'm going to have to say to them, look, I live in Sydney. My family are in Sydney. Uh, my kids. Um, I don't live in Canberra, so it may I may end up behind bars in Canberra because I cannot comply with that intensive corrective order. Um, that's that's what may happen. Um, but I, so I guess we'll have to just see. I, uh, I still believe I did the right thing. My family support me. It's still going to be quite hard. Um, if I do, I, I don't have any illusions about prison being some sort of, a, you know, holiday. It's going to be pretty hard, but you have to stand by your beliefs and um, and and take what comes uh, your way uh, with your head held high. I, I I tend to occur. I mean, you're the type of person who couldn't couldn't not do the right thing. There you were. You did the right thing. Uh, you stood by your guns, and I think many of the people, if not all of the people listening, would uh, wholeheartedly be on on your side and uh, wish you all the very best for as far as the outcome goes. But mate, just horrendous when when you think that you know you've got people such as the Attorney General who, uh, and again, you know, the politicians behind the scenes. This reeks of political interference, and in a case that I hope has a terrific outcome, not just because um, I now I feel that I know you personally, but just because, mate, you did the right thing. You absolutely did the right thing for Australia, um, I, I would say. And I just I just hope it's a tremendous outcome at the end of it. And I, I also hope it doesn't drag on too long because I can imagine it must have a tremendous uh, impact on, on, on your well-being. Well, it, it, it's hard. And, you know, I've got, as I said before, I've got these two teenage daughters and they are, they're good girls and they they do the right thing and they believe it, it, I worry the effect it will have on them if this country puts me in jail um it, it will harden them and it will it, it will make them think well what's the point of doing the right thing I will say to them I hope it doesn't turn them against this country 
but it uh, it sends a terrible message to not just them, but to young people. And we want young people to uh, abide by the law and believe in, you know, be uh, idealistic. And yes, yeah, so it has a, the government need to be careful. And it's not a threat, but to say that we, everyone's watching. It's a bit like children. They um, they say that your children don't listen to anything you say, but they watch everything you do. And uh, the people of Australia are a bit like that. And if, uh, if I'm jailed, what is what sort of message does that send to everybody? Well, and- David, I, I certainly hope it doesn't come to that, mate. And uh, I've got a good feeling about it. I think it's going to all end well. I pray that it does. Uh, and again, everybody, I'm running out of time. I only got about 10 seconds. Uh, but David McBride, has got a brand new book out. It's called The Nature of Honour. Make sure you get it. David McBride, all the best. I hope it all works out. Have a very Merry Christmas, my friend. Back after this.